welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we are going to check in with Winnipeg Blue Bomber linebacker Jesse Briggs. Just signed up on a one-year deal to come back for another season of Blue and Gold. He's been here for 116 games already. It's impressive. Also learned a lot about his off-season as a part-time teacher. Then Matt Dunstone, recently crowned Manitoba Men's Curling Championship, will talk to us as well about booking that trip to the Briar coming up on the podcast. CFL free agency opens tomorrow as teams will be looking to beef up their teams and make official a lot of what's been reported the last week as we've heard lots of names be connected to other markets, including here in Winnipeg. But one player who is not going anywhere, Jesse Briggs, linebacker for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, is coming back for another year in blue and gold. And Jesse joins us now on the show. Jesse, how does it feel to be back for another season in Winnipeg? Great. I'm super excited to be back. Um, honestly, there's there's nowhere else I'd rather be, or there's nowhere else I really considered going, so really excited to be back and go after another great cup. Now, people might wonder why it's uh, being announced the day before free agency opens. Any particular reason why it took a little longer? Um, yeah, there's, there's always like different reasons. Um, I think part of it was for sure on my end, like making sure that I still wanted to play. Um, you know, I'm getting a little older and uh, I've been around a while now. So, you know, that I was for sure. I took some time to make that decision. And then the team wanted to hear that I was 100% committed. And uh, so I told them that and they seemed to be on board with it and we were able to get it done. So I'm, I'm excited. Did anybody else uh, contact you during that legal tampering window? Um, I don't think that's, that's super important you know I, I like I said there wasn't really uh anywhere else that I wanted to go so that was never really in the cards for me okay. um, it was really Winnipeg or or nothing for me it was Winnipeg or move on from football so um you know I'm just excited to be back so you don't want to finish off yet do you I don't I think I still got quite a bit left in the tank I uh, took a good hard long look in the mirror and uh the fire's certainly still there to, to go out and try and get another Grey Cup. How much does the defeat and the way it happened in November fuel you in this offseason, heading into this season? Um, you know, it, it does and it doesn't. Um, you know, it, it was tough and it was a better way to end the season. Um, but, you know, I feel just as motivated after... You know, I look back on 21 and 19, and I feel just as motivated now as I did after those seasons, too. Um, I don't think uh, winning or losing at the end of the season is going to determine my level of motivation. It's kind of the thing where once you reach the top of the mountain, you know what it's like, and you really want to get back there. So um, it, it does and it doesn't, uh, like I said. How would you describe how 2022 went for you on the field? Yeah, I got off to like a little bit of a rough start. I picked up an injury at the start of the year. Um, so it was definitely a, a, a little bit of a rough start. And things started picking up at the end of the year. Um, definitely focused on, on doing the right things going into this season to make sure that I'm healthy and ready to go. Have you had to change your training as you get older as you for those who don't know you're turning 33 in a couple months yeah um 
yeah, certainly like things have definitely changed over the years. Uh, I wish I did a lot more of the stuff that I'm doing now at a younger age. Um, you pick up a lot of things along the way. Um, just, you know, spending more time on your body and things like people don't realize, you know, outside of the gym, getting treatment, massages, you know, seeing an osteo, Cairo, all that stuff on a weekly basis. You know, really, really making sure your body is uh, in peak condition and uh, and ready to go. What would you say has been the highlight of your football career so far? I mean, it's it's winning winning Grey Cups, winning those two Grey Cups. It's nothing nothing beats that. The, when that confetti comes down, it's it's truly truly an awesome feeling to to feel like you were you were part of something special. It's been almost nine years since you were drafted into the CFL by the Blue Bombers. Did you have any idea going into your CFL career how long you'd play? Would it be with just one team? Do you remember what your expectations were? Yeah, honestly, uh, I thought I would play out my rookie deal and uh, then go get a real job. (laughs) But uh, I've been super fortunate, and it's not often that you see players stick around with one team for the duration of their career, especially when it's been as long as I have. So I feel really, really fortunate. I think I got, I got to Winnipeg at the perfect time. Um, you know, it was, it was Kyle and Osha's and Wade's first year kind of all in charge. So um, I got there at the perfect time and I've been really fortunate to stick around as long as I have. Is that longevity with one team, a big point of pride for you? It is. Um, like I said, it's not something you see very often, and it, it's definitely something I'm proud of. Um, obviously, they've seen something in me that they, they want to keep me around as long as I have, and I've certainly seen something in the organization and, and believed in them over the years, and I think it's paid off. Second longest tenured bomber after Jake Thomas. He's played 169 games with the team. You've played 116. Think you can catch up? Honestly, I don't think so. <laughs> Jake, Jake might keep playing forever, so uh, who knows? I, I I wouldn't count on it. What does your offseason look like uh, this year? Are you in BC? Where are you right now? I actually spend my off-seasons in, in Montreal. Um, I went because I went to school at McGill, and I ended up coming here in the off-season after, after my first season. And... Uh, I usually, uh, I have my degree in, in, I have a teaching degree, so I usually pick up some sub work here and there to keep busy, but then it's mostly just training. Uh, I got two young kids at home too, so they keep me busy. So you're Mr. Briggs. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> How's your French? It's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, my wife's French Canadian. Um, you know, we speak English at home because she's fully bilingual. She's a lot better in English than I am in French, obviously, but it's definitely, uh, picked up over the years and, uh, I can, I can certainly get by. I'll say that I can certainly get by. I won't call myself fully bilingual, but I can certainly get by. But you're teaching in English. I'm teaching in English. Yes. Okay. Is that something that you'd want to keep doing once you're done football teaching? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the plan. It's something I enjoy, um, so I think for sure that's the plan once I'm done. Did you always know that teaching was in the cards for you? When did you pick up that passion? Honestly, it, it's, it was something that that's, to be completely honest with you, that's the program that they got me into at McGill 
to go play football. Um, I wasn't super passionate about it at the beginning. And as the years have gone on and I did all my student teaching and I've done sub work, it's become something that uh, I honestly truly love. So, um, you know, I'm excited about doing that post-football and I'm happy I kind of fell into it in the way that I did. But, uh, you know, that's down the road. I'm, I'm really focused on football moving forward right now. What's your favorite subject to teach? Um, so I majored in phys ed, but I really do have a passion for teaching English. Um, I'm a big reader. That's one of my favorite hobbies in my downtime. So, uh, you know, whenever I get a chance to, to step into the English classroom, it's, it's something I'm excited about. Any book you're reading right now? I am reading a book called Hero of Ages, which is a fantasy novel. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a nerd with this stuff. So, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Do what you like to do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> do your students know that you're a football player? Uh, most of them do, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of hit or miss because you're you know doing sub work. You don't always know the kids super well. Um, but at this point, at the schools that I sub at, pretty much all of them know, yeah. Do you wear your Grey Cup rings to the classroom? I have not done that yet. No, no. I have brought them in uh, when I was doing... I finished up some student teaching um, after the 2019 Grey Cup during COVID. So I, uh, I brought in uh, that Grey Cup ring for one of my classes that I had been teaching for six weeks. And uh, yeah, they were, they were really excited to see it. But other than that, no, I haven't, I haven't brought the rings in at all. Okay. Uh, before I let you go, just looking ahead to 2023 again, do you have any goals for yourself this season? Uh, great cup there you go it's a good <laughs> goal <laughs> yeah well jesse appreciate your time tonight thanks for this and uh, best of luck with everything heading into the season all right awesome thanks for having me yesterday in nipawa it was matt dunstone getting past reed carruthers getting three in the 10th end to win eight seven and win the Manitoba title for the first time in his career. And Matt Dunstone joins joins us now. Matt, how's it going to feel to have the Buffalo on your back in London next month? Hey, Christian, you know it's uh, you know pretty pretty awesome. Um, I mean, uh, you you watch guys like Stoughton and and Vic Peters and Kerry Burtnick and and guys like that growing up, and you know to to join them in in winning that provincial championship now and, and getting to represent Manitoba at the Briar, pretty cool. There was, uh, watching on the live stream, a pretty emotional moment you and Colton Lott had in getting the title. You've been to the Briar before. Uh, Ryan has. BJ has. He hasn't. How do you feel for him today? Yeah, we were all, uh, you know, super excited for him. He's had he's had a little bit of heartbreak in that event. I mean, he's lost the final a uh, couple times now and, and made a bunch of playoff runs prior to that. Uh, and, and, you know, it's his, it's his first Purple Heart. He... He played in the Briar last year, um, so he's not new to the event at all. But uh, this is this is the first time he's won a provincial title um, on the men's scene, and and you know to be able to share that moment with him. I mean, he's he's someone I've had majority of my success with um, throughout my entire curling career. So so to be able to come back uh, year one and, and be able to to do that with him and, and share that really special moment with him, uh, the whole the whole team really enjoyed that. You mentioned you've had the Purple Heart before. You've been as Team Saskatchewan before. You've won medals a couple times before. But is it different to represent Manitoba? 
Yeah, absolutely. It was different. We were kind of talking about it last night. I mean, all of us, uh, except for Colton, have, have kind of played in different provinces before. And obviously with Ryan in Northern Ontario and BJ played in Alberta the last four years. Um, you know, just, just how different it actually is to, to come and play for your home province. And um, I mean, that's that's where you played your juniors, everything like that, right? So it's it's, it's got a totally different feel to it. Um, you know, it's it's uh yeah it's it's just beyond exciting to it's, it's a dream come true to be honest with you so let's go through the tournament you were the number one seed you get into the the playoff round but it was not the the cleanest path you had you lost here and there and that meant you were in positions where you in the double elimination you had that one loss you could not lose again what was that pressure like for you yeah, it was uh, it's definitely there. I mean, it's a, it's a beast of a format in the sense you go you go four and zero and and then have a bad game and suddenly your backs are up against the wall and you have to win four in a row to win the event. Um, so it's a bit of a beast of an event in that sense. Um, but uh, I mean, we we had a decision point. We we lost a tough one to to Braden Calvert the Saturday morning there, and we were back on the ice and in about two hours uh, after we'd come off that tough loss. And you know, we we had a we had a choice to make. We could sink or swim and. And we knew what was in front of us and, and what had to be done. And, uh, you know, obviously we, we chose to swim. And then you beat Calvert in the semifinal yesterday morning before going to the final against Reed Carruthers. Uh, the the final was back and forth. You you give up a steal in the ninth to go down by two going to the 10th end. Were you trying to score in the ninth end or were you okay with giving up a steal? Uh, you know what, definitely trying. Like, we were trying to do anything but score one probably um you know we we were happy with giving up a steal and and we were going for a deuce there um but it was a it was a tricky shot reed put his his draw in a perfect spot uh he seemed like reed was doing that sort of all game um he was throwing absolutely everything at us um and then yeah i mean i mean most people seen the 10th end by now and um that uh we were talking about that last night as well as one, one of the craziest finishes of any curling game that uh, we've been a part of to your down two, when you start that end, are you thinking let's get to an extra and steal, or are you thinking three? I mean, at the very beginning of the end, I, I think you're trying to build build the end up to to score the three. Um, but then you you kind of usually a lot of the time you're making your adjustments, kind of seconds, thirds, skip stones. Um, you know, maybe let's just get our deuce here and, and try and steal in the extra. But um, you know, that was that was one of those ends that uh, you know. The guys got got rocks in great spots really early, and and you know by second second stone or thirds first stone, like we were, we knew we were in business to to get score three and win the game. Do you think the no tick rule allows comebacks like that to happen? Yeah, I, I think between that and the five rock rule um, is, is a huge thing. Um, I mean, similar sort of thing on Reed's end, right? He's probably thinking even even if he's two up, um, you know, he he doesn't really want to go to an extra end. Um, because of that no tick rule, um, something like that, right? So he, he's going to be more willing to put rocks in play as well. And I mean, it, that makes for an exciting finish. I mean, that's that's sort of what you want in sport, and that's kind of something that curling has been missing a little bit is is having that tenth, that final end, um, being the most exciting end uh, in the game. And, and yesterday in our final, that end definitely uh, was that end. A big moment in the final end where Team Carruthers has to. Well, they burned a stone. Uh, Connor Nagevin, while sweeping, hit the stone. They take the rock out of play. How big a factor was that in the end, in your mind? Yeah, you know, it's. I mean, it's it's truly tough to say um, one way or another if that would have affected the the actual end result of the game. 
um, there was no secret. It was it was a total advantage to us um, to be able to to have an have an opening to get another one of our redstones in there because of the burnt rock. Um, but uh, I mean, the the end would have been played out totally different if if it if it hadn't been. So it's it's truly tough to say <laughs> sort of how it how it all would have worked. Um, but you but you know it it definitely was an advantage to us to to be able to to get another red one in there. It was tough to tell on the broadcast what happened. The replay didn't really show it, and then all of a sudden the the rocks getting moved. That was Reed's choice to remove it, was it not? Yeah, so it was about four or five feet out of the house. Um, you know, Connor, I was up there because they were kind of coming into our red rocks. So me, Reed, and and Connor were all kind of surrounded up at the top of the house, um, right around our rocks that that this rock was coming into. Um, and just before it got there, you kind of heard a clack, and and we all we all knew right away sort of what happened. And, um, you know, we just asked, asked Reed kind of what, what you want to do with this sort of thing. And, and he just said, uh, he, he, he recommended that we pull it. Um, and that just, you know, that, that speaks to Reed and, and the classy guy that he is, um, and, and how, how good of a sport he is, especially in, in, in those moments and, and how tough of a moment that, that was for everybody involved. Um, but I, I sure hope that that moment doesn't cloud over, you know, what was truly a great, great game by two, te- both two great teams. Playing against a team with three, does that change how you call the game? Uh, no, not in particular. Um, you know, it's it's weird. We've played uh, we've played three man teams uh, a handful of times now in final, um, and and we've had some really close games uh, a lot of the time. Um, you know, I, I think each and every time we've left the game, um, kind of saying we need to put a little bit more rocks in play. Um, and and I think we kind of left the game last night saying that as well. Um, so I, I think next time we play a three-handed team, we we have to really commit to that to uh, to muck it up as much as we can. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from six thirty to nine p.m. Of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect.